Chapter 16 of The Tribulations of a Chinaman in China. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Thomas Coos. John Thomas Coos Kosmarski. The Tribulations of a Chinaman in China by Jules Verne. Translated by Virginia Champlin. Chapter 16 in which Kin Fo, who is still a bachelor, begins to travel again in earnest. Kin Fo's situation was now a thousand times graver than before, for Wang, in spite of having given his word, was powerless when it really came to the point of killing his former pupil. He knew nothing of the change in Kin Fo's fortune, as the latter did not mention it in his letter. He had charged another with the fulfillment of his own promise. A Taiping, a very formidable man, who would have no scruples about committing a mere murder for which he could not be held responsible. For did not Kin Fo's letter assure him immunity? And by filling Wang's position, would he not receive fifty thousand dollars? Ah! "'But I feel as if I were already having enough of it,' cried Kin Fo, who began to be angry. Craig and Fry heard of Wang's missive, and said to Kin Fo's, "'Then your letter does not give the 25th of June as the last date?' "'Why, no,' he answered. "'Wang cannot and ought not to date it till the day of my death. "'Now this Lao Shen can act when he pleases, without being limited to time. Oh, said Fry Craig, it is for his interest to perform the deed without delay. Why? That the sum placed on your head may be covered by the policy, and not be lost to him. This argument was unanswerable. Very well, replied Kin Fo. It is still important that I should not lose an hour in getting back my letter, even if I pay the fifty thousand dollars guaranteed to this Lao Shen. That is so, said Craig. That is true, added Fry. Now I must leave, for we must find this Taiping chief, who perhaps will be easier found than Wang. While saying this, Kin Fo walked up and down, unable to keep still a moment. The series of thunderbolts which were hurled at him put him in an unusual state of excitement. "'I shall start on a journey,' he said, "'for I am going to find Lao Shen. "'As for you, gentlemen, do whatever pleases you best.' "'Sir,' answered Fry Craig, "'the interests of the centenary are in greater danger than ever, and to forsake you in the present circumstances would be failing in our duty. We shall not leave you. There was not an hour to lose, but before all it was necessary to know positively who this Lao Shen was and the exact place in which he resided, and his notoriety was such that this was not difficult. This former companion of Wang, in the insurrection of the Mang Chao, had retreated to the northern part of China, 
beyond the great wall in the neighborhood of the gulf of liao tung which is an annex of the gulf of pei che li if the imperial government had not yet treated with him as with several other rebel chiefs whom it could not conquer it allowed him at least to work quietly in those territories beyond the chinese frontiers where lao shen resigning himself to a more modest role followed the profession of a highwayman ah wang selected a good man who had no scruples whatever and a dagger thrust more or less would not in the least disturb his conscience kin fo and the two agents succeeded in obtaining full information about tai ping and learning that he had been seen lately in the environs of fu ning a small port in the gulf of lao tong resolved to go there without longer delay but they first informed leou of all that had happened which increased her anguish and her beautiful eyes were dimmed with tears she tried to dissuade kin fo from going urging that he would expose himself to inevitable danger and that it would be better for him go away and hide somewhere to even leave the celestial empire if necessary and take refuge in some part of the world where the ferocious lao shen could not reach him but kin fo told the young woman that he could not endure the prospect of living with death all the time threatening him and at the mercy of such a rascal to whom his death would bring a fortune no he must end the matter once for all he and his faithful acolytes would leave that very day would go to the taiping and pay for the deplorable letter in gold and be back in peking before the decree of prohibition would be removed dear little sister said kin fo there is less cause to mourn for me now that our marriage is postponed a while for if it had taken place it would have been a very sad situation for you if it had taken place leou replied i should have had the right and it would have been my duty to follow you as i certainly should have done no said kin fo i would rather suffer a thousand deaths than expose you to a single peril farewell leou farewell and with tearful eyes he gently unclasped the arms that would have retained him that very day kin fo with craig and fry followed by soon whose unlucky fate it was never to have a moment's rest left peking and proceeded to tong chow the journey took only an hour after thinking the matter over they decided that the journey by land through a rather unsafe province presented very serious difficulties if the only object was to reach the great wall in the northern part of the capital whatever dangers there might be in a journey of one hundred and sixty leagues it would have been worth their while to have faced the port of fu ning was not in the north but in the east and if they went there by sea they would gain time and be safe they would reach it in four or five days and when there could consider 
what was best to do next but would they find a ship about to sail for funing they must first ascertain this from the maritime agents of tong chow on this occasion chance favored kin fo to whom misfortune had unremittingly dealt her blows a boat freighted for fu ning was waiting at the mouth of the pai ho there was no course but to take one of those fast steamboats which sail the river descend as far as its estuary and embark on the ship in question craig and fry asked for only an hour for their preparations and they employed that hour in purchasing all the known life-preservers from the primitive cork belt to the waterproof floating suit of captain boyton for kin fo was still worth two hundred thousand dollars he was going on the water without paying an extra premium because he insured against every risk now some catastrophe might happen it was necessary to provide for every emergency and rest assured this was done on the twenty sixth of june therefore kin fo craig fry and soun took passage on the pai tang and descended the pai ho the curves of this river are so sharp that a passage over it takes exactly twice as long as if it extended in a straight line from its mouth to tong chou but it has canals and is therefore navigable for ships of quite heavy tonnage its business is also considerable and much more important than that of the main route which runs almost parallel to it the paitang descended swiftly between the buoys of the channel beating the yellowish waters of the river with its paddles and stirring up the numerous canals on both shores the high tower of pagoda beyond tong chow was soon passed when it disappeared at the angle of a sharp turn at this distance the pai ho was not very broad and flowed along between sandy banks then by agricultural hamlets with orchards and blooming hedges several important villages scattered here and there in the midst of a wooded country then appeared mateo hai si vu nain se and gang tsun which the tide reaches tian sing soon came in sight time was lost here for it was necessary to have the eastern bridge opened which unites the two shores of the river and to wind about not without some difficulty among the hundreds of ships with which the port is crowded this is done with considerable difficulty and costs more than one boat the cables which keep her in the current these were cut without regard to the damage which caused confusion and a blockade of the boats such as might have kept a port officer busy had there been one at tianjin if we were to state that craig and fry who kept a stricter watch than ever on this voyage were never more than a footstep away from their charge we really should not exaggerate their chief anxiety was no longer concerning the philosopher wang with whom an arrangement might easily be made if he could be reached but concerning lao shen the taiping whom they did not know on account of which he 
was all the more formidable. They ought to feel safe, since they were going to him. But who could say that he had not already started in pursuit of his victim? How could they keep out of his way or get word to him? Thus pondered the anxious Craig and Fry, who saw an assassin in every passenger on the Pai Tang. They no longer ate or slept or lived. If Kin Fo, Craig, and Fry were very seriously troubled, Soun, on his part, did not fail to be very anxious. The mere thought of going on the water made him seasick, and he grew paler and paler as the Pai Tang approached the gulf of Pai Chili. His nose grew sharp and his mouth contracted, and yet the water was so quiet that there was not the slightest motion to the boat. What would it be when he had to endure the choppy waves of a narrow sea, which causes a boat to roll so much more? You have never been to sea? Craig asked. Never. And you don't like it? said Fry. No. I command you to hold up your head, added Craig. My head? And not to open your mouth, added Fry. My mouth? Thereupon Sound gave the two agents to understand that he preferred not to speak, and he walked off to the middle of the boat, and as he went cast over the already widening river that melancholy look of persons predestined to the rather ridiculous trial of seasickness. The landscape in which the valley borders the river was of a different character. The right shore, which was steep, contrasted with the left, on whose long beach extended a line of foam left by the light surf. Beyond lay vast fields of sorghum, maize, wheat, and millet. Throughout China, a mother of a family who has so many millions of children to feed, there is not a patch of ground capable of cultivation that is neglected, and everywhere there are canals to water the ground, and a kind of rude water machine of bamboo, which draws and gives out great quantities of water. Here and there, in the villages of yellowish mud, rose clusters of trees, among which were some old apple trees, fit to adorn a plain of Normandy. Numerous fishermen were going to and fro along the shore making use of sea-ravens instead of hunting-dogs, or rather fishing-dogs. At a sign from their master, these birds dive into the water and bring up the fish which they cannot swallow, owing to a ring placed round their throat halfway up, which nearly strangles them. There were ducks, crows, ravens, magpies, and sparrow-hawks, which the screeching of the steamboat sent flying from the tall grass. Though the main route along the river appeared to be deserted, the travel on the Pai Ho did not lessen, and there were crowds of boats of every description sailing up and down. There were junks of war with mounted cannon, whose roofing formed a concave from fore to aft, and which were managed by a double row of oars, or by paddles worked by men. Custom-house junks with two masts, with sails like those of a shallop at an angle, 
and ornamented at stern and prow with heads or sails of fantastic figures junks of commerce of considerable tonnage huge shells which though loaded with the most precious products of the celestial empire are able to brave the typhoon in the surrounding seas travelling junks being rowed or towed along according to the tide and which are made for people who have time to lose junks of the mandarins small pleasure yachts towed by canoes sampans of every kind with sails of braided rushes and the smallest of which guided by young women with an oar in their hands and a child on their back deserve their name which signifies three planks and finally rafts which are really floating villages with cabins and orchards and gardens and formed of immense pieces of floating timber from some manchurian forest the whole of which the woodman must have felt but as one went on the villages became more scattered along the shore and there were not more than twenty between tien sing and Teiko, at the mouth of the river dense clouds of smoke rose from the factories on its banks and mingling with those from the steamboat obscured the atmosphere evening came preceded by the june twilight which is very long in that latitude and soon a succession of white sand banks in symmetrical order and of uniform design were dimly outlined in the vague light they were salt mulos taken from the neighboring salt works there rose the estuary of the pai ho among arid plains in a dreary landscape which monsieur de beauvoir says is nothing but sand salt dust and ashes the next day the twenty seventh of june before sunrise the pai tang came into port at Teiko, near the mouth of the river at this place on both shores stand the forts of the north and south which are now in ruins having been taken by the anglo-french army in eighteen sixty it was the scene of the glorious attack of general colino on the twenty fourth of august of the same year the gunboats having forced an entrance into the river there stretches a narrow band of territory but partly settled which bears the name of the french concession and beyond one sees the funeral monument under which lie the officers and soldiers who died in those memorable combats the paitang was not to pass the bar and the passengers were obliged to land at teiko which is already of considerable importance and will be a thriving town if the mandarins ever allow a railroad to be constructed to unite it with tiansing the ship bound for Funing was to sail that very day, and Kin Fo and his companions had not an hour to lose. They therefore hailed a sampan, and a quarter of an hour later were on the Sam Yep. End of chapter 16. Recording by John Thomas Coos, John Thomas Coos Kosmarski. www.validateyourlife.com